welcome to Comedy Jews. I'm Brian Costello. I'm Jim DeSanto. And I'm just feeling dandy tonight. Dandy. Ooh, I like dandy. That is, you could use that word You'll for this movie. It's like Jim almost time appropriate. Dandy time. Oh, I like it. <laughs> yeah. I like it already. Uh, so today we are looking at Quentin Tarantino's ninth film and my favorite film of 2019, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But first... Mm-hmm. As always, we ask the most pressing question of every episode. Mm-hmm. What are we drinking this episode? I am having some Elijah Craig barrel proof bourbon. Ooh. It is delicious. And I highly recommend if you see it on the shelf, buy it. Hmm. It's hard to find. All right. Excellent. Katie, what do you have for us? Katie had a little too much wine last night. We had some festivities. What, now, what define a little too much? Um, like... Like Rick Dalton too much or margaritas? No. (laughs) Margaritas. No. We didn't get to that level. Uh, No. Just, you know, just a few glasses. Just a little too much. Okay. All right. Um, So we're just enjoying one little cocktail tonight, a little apple cider, but we're trying it tonight with the Eight Oaks Craft Distillers Applejack, a gift from Calm Mentors, uh, Abby Wolf and Jace Curran. No? I just literally had this conversation with you in the kitchen. I obviously didn't listen. I think that's from Emily and Jace and Josh. Emily and Josh, Homer. Okay, mm, it was close. We were close. Jason we Abby gave us the we corn, the, same family. the corn whiskey, which ooh, corn whiskey is un is basically unaged bourbon. Okay, um, like that it. is being aged in the Com Majors whiskey barrel that my brother Ooh, got us. So cool. I love so it. So it's been in there it's like a for a couple months. I don't know. I love it. It leaked a little. Okay. That gives good. it gives the probably barrel good. some flavor. Yeah. Gives it some age. Something's happening in there. I am drinking a whiskey sour. Oh. oh good. You're that's mixing on it up. That's on yeah. point. God damn I'm, I'm whiskey gonna, sours. I'm, I'm not going to have eight <laughs> whiskey sours. I'd have eight whiskey sours. <laughs> I love that Rick Dalton's qualification of what wouldn't have been too much Damn. is uh, I should have had four. Should have had four. I should have made should myself have a frozen margarita. Yeah. That sounds delicious. Uh, my favorite part of the movie is the what the old ice trays used to look like. Yeah. Didn't look well, very uh, appropriate or useful. Yeah. Looked what, a little dangerous. Metal ones? Yeah. Yeah. They're cool. Yeah. I, like, I think they're, they're huh? pretty neat. Uh, all right. Uh, fact check from last week. Uh, of course, we did Pretty Woman, and mm-hmm. there were some agitated people mm-hmm. at our takes at Pretty Woman. But I just wanted to give some Pretty Woman fact checks because we didn't do this. So first of all, I was a little bit surprised. I went on Rotten Tomatoes. This film is not as beloved mm-hmm. uh, as I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, only 62% well, critic score, which is, I guess, for films of this type are not bad. But it only has a 68% audience score. So this I, I is don't not like feel a like, slam dunk. Yeah, but for Rotten Tomatoes, movies that came out before it existed, it's mm-hmm. really hard because they're not... Most of the scores get set the weekend the movie gets released. But I honestly, when I was looking up reviews of it, I was surprised as well that it seems like there's been criticism of the film for quite some time, which I just felt like I was unaware of. Like I was like living outside of that place where folks right, were right. criticizing Pretty Woman. So, okay. okay. Yeah. So we weren't the first. Yeah. Um, so hopefully Brian can hear us. I don't think he can right now. Yeah. Um, he looks very confused. Okay. But uh, yeah, Pretty <clears throat> Woman is. Yeah, I don't. Well. We have we have an official, a major, 
com major apology. We have, we have a statement to make on the topic of Pretty Woman because things got a little heated in the aftermath. So did I'm, it really though? Like I'm just I'm just going to read from my prepared statement. Okay, okay. <clears throat> in the days following our episode on Pretty Woman. <laughs> It has come to our attention that many com mentors were offended by the opinions expressed by our representatives. We want you to know that you are heard. We know we would not be the award-winning podcast we are without your support. What award did we win? A major award. Oh. It is hard to make friends in this industry, and we consider ourselves lucky to have the 10 of you out there. (laughs) so we apologize for breaking the glass on the beloved sex worker rom-com pretty woman as movie lovers we want to spread joy about film we don't want to crush favorite memories of your childhood like julia roberts going down on richard gear while while he watches i love lucy (laughs) in the future we will try to offer a warning before shattering beloved film memories We still aim to tell the truth as film journalists and friends. Mm -hmm. Thanks as always for tuning in commenters. Mm -hmm. I would like to add though, if you, if you are feeling hurt and betrayed and sad that we dismantled piece by piece, one of your favorite films, we're sorry you feel that way. I don't know. My computer fucking computer froze. So I don't really (laughs) Yeah. care well i i take nothing back that i said last week i yeah in fact i listened back to last week's episode and i thought perhaps i was too kind to the film <laughs> in retrospect <laughs> to be fair to be honest we didn't even get uh, into like the directing which is like no oh, more the cinematography well, that we, I yeah. honestly we did talk think a little bit about what, the directing i th- well we talked about, about the, the director. director trying to yeah. uh, grope his actress during yeah. sex scenes Contact. Yeah. i yeah. thought the cinematography of that film was like equivalent to a hallmark christmas film yes yeah. yeah yeah to be fair it was uh okay. yes all, all right. right perfect yep. okay well that works out well again yep. uh I, I missed my computer freeze. We also I missed to, what led to the reading of that, but basically, I'm, it was your computer freezing. We just that figured that was that. a good moment. It was just a good yeah. moment to, to yeah, it was. It was. Perfect. Katie wanted to give uh, um, quote unquote the non 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 sorry sorry not sorry calm majors <laughs> apology. not apology not apology. Yeah. Okay. All right. I like it. Yeah. I styled it off of now. Greece. We do need to find out if Jamie actually named her daughter after Vivian in the movie. <laughs> She said I, she did. I cannot believe that. No, I, I don't Jamie's believe it either. Probably has the single funniest Facebook feed of yeah of I anybody. Mean, I just we I might not it. ever hear from her again. She That's was true. Very angry. She was very angry. <laughs> so I, we may have lost well, one of the ten. Maybe. I I doubt that. Okay. Oh, look at your mom rocking a top fan badge. She's a top fan. Yeah, she oh, listens she every week. Thanks, mom. She is a top fan. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, rundown time. Oh yeah. So, spoiler alert, I just feel like maybe folks who haven't watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like, yeah, you maybe should probably pause and go watch that film. Yeah, this is the time where yeah. you need to go watch the movie instead of There's, if you haven't. It is available now on digital. Yeah, there is no yes. way for us to talk about this movie without talking about how it ends. And so we're going to do that. Yeah. And I really think you should. Oh, yeah, can we just do a quick, like, 
We all think that folks should watch this movie. Go watch right? this, this movie. Yes. This yes. is a let's go watch it. Everybody yeah. this watch it. This is not it. Pretty Woman. No, this we, is not you pretty should watch this. This should film. be a pleasant experience for everyone listening because I'm However, pretty sure it's going to be all of us fawning all over this movie. However, in retrospect, Margot Robbie would have been perfect recasted for I Pretty know. Woman. I can't we, believe just, we didn't even If we think just of wanted her. to play yeah. it the same, sure. Yeah, because I think she she She's, can do she so much. That note really well. Yeah, yeah. comedy yes. and yep. all the, all the people yep. love her, yep. love her. Okay, <clears throat> dirty feet. So I kept this. <laughs> I kept this pretty short. Um, yeah. Okay, it's pretty short. Once upon a time in Hollywood, a fall guy trying to prolong and improve his career, as well as his best friend and stump double, stopped the Manson family murders with a dog a can of dog food, and a flamethrower. Lives, a career, and a friendship were saved that fateful night. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. All right. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I thought I, it, I if it. I went longer than that, it was going to be like two pages long. Yeah. So yeah. we just yeah. kept it short. I, I think that was, yeah. I and think we can hear perfect. you fine, Brian. So you, you can talk. Okay. And if you can't hear us, okay, just, perfect. just, yeah. All right. Just toss Great. it to us and we'll uh, Okay. So I... Uh, rare. I feel like Katie and I rarely uh, choose films mm -hmm. that meets Jim's <laughs> high criteria of, you know, I often feel I joke about feeling good that we make Jim watch movies that he doesn't want to watch. Uh, but I don't really feel good about that. Um, Am I the Mikey? So uh, he he doesn't like he likes it yeah you are and it's a bummer when you don't like something like <laughs> yeah. like i feel like there is like a uh, great uh, emotional weight to your opinion so yes yeah so i just want to start out by saying jim did you like this movie i quite like this movie a lot okay yeah, perfect yeah, yeah. okay so now i feel <laughs> yeah, we're, I in am, safe, we're in a safe space everybody go get a can, beverage it's i will say i will say tree. that the moment this movie was over, I started to think about when I could rewatch it again. Yeah, we yes. we purchased this movie. Yeah. Oh, by the way, if you're an if you're an iTunes person, it's twelve ninety nine like four K on iTunes right now. That's less Which than is one ticket to the yeah. movies. One yeah. one ticket. You're yeah. um and to rent it, it's six bucks. So yeah, do and this film no is <laughs> um in my opinion beyond rewatchable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 there's mul you can get multiple watchings. Oh yeah, out of this. No, we really did film. like immediately say we have to we have to rewatch that movie. This we does have it. yeah. To me, this has the vibe of something like Pulp Fiction or The Big Lebowski or um. There's just certain movies that have this rewatchability factor for me personally, like that that resonate with me on. I I get through the first time and I'm like, okay, I, I understand the plot and sort mm -hmm. of what happens um and now i want to understand why he chose yeah. like and why certain things were said and why certain things were done and all the setups along the way yeah um i feel like so i think for us for the first watch through we were so fascinated by the aspects that were true to life um mm. that were a lot of things that we didn't know about um the, the Manson family about Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski, like all of those pieces were just fascinating to us. And then trying to figure out like, so where is, where's the truth and where's the fiction? Um, Jim did call per, pretty early on 
because I was asking questions about like what yeah. you know what's real, what's not. He and he yeah. said, I think this is going to be. Well, do you think it's going to be similar to Inglorious Bastards? Yeah, with um, like the rewriting history. Yeah, and I, but I I feel like it, but it was done so differently. You know, like I mean, with same a different I, purpose, same idea, right? But 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 you still get that payoff in the end of like feeling. Yes. We feel really good when we see horrible people get their comeuppance. Yeah. You know, like in retrospect, like if you could go yes. back, like those are the people that were totally fine with having their face smashed in with dog food and yeah, like I that. Like that yes, was... do do that. Yeah. I, it's interesting that, I mean, we rarely start with the end at the beginning of an episode, yeah. but so much attention, I think, surrounding this movie was the end of it. Yeah, uh, I mean, it really, everything leads it. up to that, right? Yeah, I don't yeah. mind it. It's certainly not on the top of my fa favorite scenes or sequences of the movie. I think it's fine. I, I understand why he was trying to get there and stuff like that. And I, and I, it was kind of enjoyable to see horrific people who had done yeah. equally horrific things yep. have that happened to them. So I had no problem with it. I, it was enjoyable. Yep. It was humorous. It was like so satirical yeah. that it was mocking violence. And, in yeah, a sense. and I do, I do yeah. like that. I like that. That's how he approaches, even though you could say it's excessive. It, it feels like because he goes over the line. Well, I think after Pulp Fiction, which had, I think pretty realistic violence. Yeah. Not too crazy. And then Jackie Certainly. Brown, I don't remember Jackie Brown being very violent at all, which I haven't revisited and I want to. That's Kill Bill was definitely violent. But that's but where still, the absurd came in. Yeah, that's where yeah, he yeah. flipped yes. it to be like this. And I think since Kill Bill, you have, Katie and I sort of talked about this, Brian. In the earlier Quentin Tarantino films, I felt like it was hard to find, while it was super interesting, you didn't have a lot of good characters. You didn't have characters that like you. I mean, you had characters you could root for, but not ones that you'd want to maybe hang out with. We argued about this in right. regards to Pulp Fiction because right. I want to hang out with John Travolta. And yeah, all of his we characters. did not. Which, me, which we did not. <laughs> Terrifying. You did not love Vincent. No, Vincent Vega is an no, awful human being. I think that you have He's a really a good point. He's not even close to the person in that movie that I would hang out with. <laughs> Who are you hanging he's out with? Fact, probably, he's, Samuel he's probably L? the last. Other than the gimp, he's probably the last yeah, person. Yeah, like uh, Bruce Willis, way <laughs> no, better. No. Uh, Bruce Willis at least has the sense of justice. Be, yeah. He's not a heroin addict. <laughs> Fine. He's a Fine. boxer, down on I his know, luck but boxer. The, but the other option is John Travolta. No, what about Mr. Wolf? No, yeah, Mr. Wolf. He's yeah. interesting. Anyway, I think you're right. <laughs> and I, I think, you know, like listening to Quentin as a person. You can see that maybe the humanistic piece of storytelling might be the hardest part for him to get. Like, he's definitely a film nerd. He's definitely, like, super into cinematography and to yeah. movie soundtrack. Like, there's, I think, the technical pieces of movie making, right? Like, he's exceptional. But building a character for the, the audience to connect with, that's sometimes the hardest part. And he, I think since, um, I think he started a little bit of that in Kill Bill. Yeah. And definitely I think it, it's Uma. gotten better every step along the way leading to this. So like, to me, it's like Uma and Kill Bill. Then you have, um, uh, J Django, right? Uh, mm -hmm. or Inglorious Bastards. Mm -hmm. You have, I mean, basically, I mean, 
you have the the whole Jewish group in, mm-hmm. in Glorious Bastards. Um, and then you have uh, Jackie Jan- Brown. Jack- Jackie Brown, yeah. Ja- well, that's older. That's before Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Django, obviously, Christoph Waltz and, and Jamie Foxx are both incredible. Uh, and then you have and then you have this. Yeah, right? I I think I think it is really cool to see him uh, although, grow I, and shift as a filmmaker. Hateful, I think that's hateful really Eight was a was a step back for me. I I saw. I don't, I don't know if you. I don't it. think you've seen that. I don't think I have either. Um, not my n- probably one of my least favorite Tarantino films. So. I think this film is his most accessible. Like I don't. You do, to me, you almost don't have to have seen a Tarantino mm-hmm. film before. Oh, yeah. And you would be okay with this. Yeah, I, I agree with I, that. I like Tarantino movies. I, I, I'm I'm not like a Tarantino fanboy. You know, like I love mm-hmm. Stanley Kubrick movies. I think his movies are good. Pulp Fiction in particular. I enjoy Jackie Brown, which I watched recently. Uh, this movie, there's just something completely different about it because I do think the characters in this movie are amongst the most I don't want to know if I would say interesting because he always has interesting characters but here's his is they're probably the characters he wrote that I would want to spend the most time around I think he understood these characters more than any other characters that he's written well and I I don't know if we've really listened to him speak about the inspiration behind characters in other films but we did for this one yeah and I think it's worth talking about that like he was inspired to write these two guys based on an experience he had on one of his sets with an actor and his stuntman yeah and that's where he started thinking through this relationship and it was the same sort of a deal where like clearly they had been together for decades and you know like the stuntman kind of like got these little (laughs) bit part like where they didn't really need a stuntman but it was like a favor to the actor and and that just set him off thinking about, you know, a movie that would focus on that relationship. Um, and I think, you know, the, the best stories come from a nugget of truth. Right. 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 Yeah. All right. So I think we should lay out some of this. Yeah. So go ahead. We, we kind of have the narrative. Mm-hmm. So Leonardo DiCaprio, who is amazing. Yeah. I think it's my favorite. I think film. it's my favorite. Of oh, his um, what? No. What would you um, what would you put up there next? To well, this? Not, OK, <laughs> sorry. All right, so let's go. Through. So uh, he plays Rick Dalton, uh, who, when we start out in the film, is one of the biggest TV stars on NBC's uh, 1950s Western. Um, oh, God, why am I not remembering this? It's the Bounty Hunter. Oh, one. Bounty Law. Bounty Law, in which he's basically just killing people, which is a great running gag throughout the whole thing. Oh, it's basically uh, the Mandalorian. Jump- We've already talked about it. How? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. The better version we, of the Mandalorian. So we, oh, you and your Mandalorian, awful Mandalorian takes. Um, so we jump forward a little bit of time, and it's now in the late 1960s, and he is a fail. He attempted a David Caruso by ditching his popular TV show to become a movie star and has failed miserably. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he and his uh, stuntman, Cliff Booth, played by Brad Pitt, who won the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor. Uh, and it's just kind of their life uh, uh, and struggles intercut along with, uh, you know, almost like a day in the life type narrative of Sharon Tate, who was a rising actress who had been brutally murdered uh, mm-hmm. by the Manson family. 
And it's also kind of, as Tarantino said, his love letter to the kind of golden age of Hollywood that was in this transition period in the late 1960s when he was a 10-year-old going to all these movies um, of the time. Yeah, and and, and, uh, Burt Reynolds apparently is one of the the main inspirations for um, Leonardo DiCaprio's character. Oh, that's interesting. From <laughs> Gunsmoke. Thinking about where that went. <laughs> right. Well, right. And and then he was actually, this was the last movie he was going to be in. Was supposed to be in. He was going to play Spawn. Oh, wow. And yeah. he died. He had done table readings and everything for oh. this. Yeah. That's, and that's actually, a shame. Yeah. Believe it or not, uh, on the deleted scenes, you know, where they were, there's a ton of extra stuff, not surprisingly, that was cut from commercials this and stuff. Yeah. yeah. At one of the commercials was James Marsden, uh, you know, from tons of stuff playing Burt Reynolds. Cyclops. He was like, he was doing oh, like, awesome. uh, like they had somebody playing Steve McQueen and Bruce Lee and all this. Somebody, he was playing Bruce, uh, he was playing him doing commercials that's from that funny. time period. Uh, which might come out. Apparently, there is a, a four-hour cut of this. I'll watch that. That I'll will that. Uh, that he said he might release in a year, uh, and if it's not on the big screen, it will be on Netflix. Okay. So why don't uh, Katie and Jim? Why don't you start by giving us you know one thing that stood out for you immediately in the movie? What did you immediately caught your attention? Uh, so you know I you know I love characters. Um, to me, the the distinct characters that are created for Leo and Brad in this film are are just beautiful. Like I I love the I love the scenes where they're together and you see their dynamic with each other. But I also love their like independent shots where you get mm-hmm. to see like and it, it as Jim said it's just like kind of day in the life. You know but like it- what's it like when. Cliff feeds his dog and what the storytelling <laughs> through through cinema and not exposition is brilliant. Yeah. Like when Cliff leaves the house in the hills or wherever they are, Cielo Drive, and goes to his home, you learn so much about his character. Yeah. Without you don't need yeah. to be like it doesn't need to yeah. be hammered over your head. Right. It's just it's just and naturally evolving. To me, that's an amazing credit and i feel like shows how tarantino has grown as Mm -hmm. a filmmaker a guy who in pulp fiction and reservoir dogs and all these movies is so known for his dialogue and they talk about like quentin tarantino dialogue but his use of not using dialogue in this there's a lot of silence in this movie where you're just like watching really interesting yeah in particular and he was really criticized for this in the Sharon Tate sequences Hmm. because they were saying how little dialogue she seemed to have in comparison to the male storytelling. And I think they, I think he was getting beaten up because this, it was some people were criticizing him for being sexist or, you know, because his characters usually have so much to say and her dialogue was so little in this film. But she's but not the like, primary focus. I, I, I want to add something to that. I didn't, I, I didn't know if you had more on your, um, well, uh, I have another point that I want to talk about, like something else I loved, but let's stay with the, the characters so, for now. Yeah. So Sharon Tate, I think that was a really, um, like he handled that really well. I thought 
The fact that yeah. she is so someone did her family, yeah, who loved it, someone who was brutally murdered, <laughs> um, and is sort of known for that and not known for anything yeah. else, yeah, and and without without making anything up and and kind of you know force feeding us this this like a story about how you know who she was we get a pretty good glimpse of like her personality i think in a in a really like that she was just like a young actress who was enjoying her life and 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 was having you know was going to see her film and just just enjoying that people were enjoying her performance and i don't i don't think having her be a bigger part in this story supports the story that he was trying to tell right so to me the primary focus is supposed to be cliff and rick right, right like right. that that is the story and and she we need to know a little bit about well maybe we don't that does feel like a little bit of like a cherry on top that you get to see more of her yeah because really the story could have been told without much of her story right right like you well, could argue that some of that could have been edited out but i like that we get it I do love the the quote unquote movie magic that Quentin is really like. I think part of his love letter to Hollywood is that you can do whatever you want in these worlds, right? Like I'm saving Sharon Tate and I'm saving Jay Sebring from an awful death. And you need a little bit of Sharon Tate and you need a little bit of that relationship to understand what what's at stake in this yeah, movie yeah, yeah. right yeah. and so then the bookends of that of like seeing them just being like friends and maybe he he was still had feelings for her even though she was married to roman polanski um was part of that i think you needed to know that and and then in, in subsequent watchings i think it'll it'll feel a lot more natural um but then to have the scene after the murders take after after the end, when uh, Rick is just talking to J.C. Bring kind of like through the fence, th to me, that's like the the cherry on top of the story. It's like, oh, yeah, you get the Quentin Tarantino that like loves to punish bad people and you get all of that. But you also get this like this moment of like, oh, two people that were innocent and were probably off to do much greater things than they had previously accomplished are still alive. And are going out into the world. And Rick has found out that he's not useless. Like there's this. Yeah, it's, it's an it's an interesting. Yeah. And I thought that she which I thought people I don't think some people missed. It. I think a lot of people got it was, you know, I think in the mind of and Tarantino said this, he went and saw that movie that she was in with Dean Martin. And, you know, as a 10 year old kid who worshipped that time period, her death was a destruction of that innocence or that purity of that time period sure and the idea to be able to show her in the way he showed her the joy that he showed in her life and the way she was living that life and th that you feel like this whole time oh man if are they going to kill her because that's what happened mm -hmm. and then to not and mm -hmm. to realize that like somebody like that would be able to continue to live on mm -hmm. and what good could come of that. And this idea that like, here's this down on his luck, alcoholic Rick Dalton who did it, but,
the sheer fact he might have been able to save her, like his life, and in case pretty much, I think he's saying everybody's life theoretically could have gotten better. Like with those mm-hmm. gates opening up, it's like all, you know, all this good could have come to people if something like horrific like that hadn't uh, happened. And, and, and I, I thought that was interesting. I don't have a lot of the, I don't know a lot of the background of Hollywood and things like that, but apparently this is a gigantic turning point for the city and, and the industry of, of like, of filmmaking, you know, it just people, people changed after this. And, and honestly, like, well, 1969, this is the world's changing, the world's changing from time, from the, you know, flower power to, you know, the seventies and where things get a little grittier, but, um, so I don't know if it's specifically tied to this, but it, it's all it's interesting that this is sort of part of it. Well, it's definitely a destruction. If you study like the history of the time period, the Manson killings um, were kind of the end of the idea of flower power. And, hippie. Yeah. you know, mm-hmm. people started to think, I don't want to go near a hippie like this yeah. whole idea. They said, like people like Sharon Tate picking up hitchhikers and all this stuff in the valley and then uh, yeah. the Fremont. Um, music festival takes place a couple of months after this and the hell's angels beat people to death in this concert mm-hmm. and it's like this it becomes really dark yeah. after it and uh, i th- i loved some of those sequences which was weird because the lead up to the film was people critiquing this and then when i saw it like one of my favorite visual shots is of Margot Robbie, who I thought was great in this movie, people like were criticizing how many lines she did. She took a character that maybe didn't have as many lines and played the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. When she's sitting and watching that movie and it, she's watching the real Sharon Tate, it, I think it's just great filmmaking the way he does it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I loved her taking taking out her like secret glasses yeah. and putting them on. <laughs> like I can't let anyone see me in these, but. Oh, she was the, wonderful. The, yeah. The production design in this film was next level. Yeah. The way they, because they filmed Hollywood Boulevard and all that stuff. And, and the special features section, if anybody gets it, they they show you how they constructed that. And it it fell all of it from how they got the cars, the cars they picked, the ones they found. Tarantino wanted specific ones he had seen, uh, even from the TV shows to make sure they actually found the truck that was in the FBI sequence that Rick Dalton was in, that exact truck. They went and found it. So that was the level of uh, detail that he wanted in this film. That's amazing. Well, so I was going to say that the other part of the movie that I love is how he uses... You know, and I didn't even know all of it, just but the film clips from the time, the audio from the time, like the way that that's integrated and then the way he, you know, filters his pieces like it just blew my mind. Like the, the way that it all comes together and just feels like you're. In 1969, but then there's still this, you know, the commentary that's bringing you out of that time period. It all, to me, it all just works really well. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, this is one of the few films, and Jim hit on it already, where I find a relationship as interesting. Like, I want to see Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt together as much as I wanted to see, like, Walter and the dude together in the big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. Uh, what stood out for you about that relationship the most as you watch the movie? 
I think it was the sort of the um for me it was the continuity of how they were stuntman actor even through until the end of the movie and we talked Katie and I talked a little bit about this that you know you start with the interview of like <laughs> basically the interviewer saying like oh what what's your job and um he basically says I carry carry Rick's load and basically he does throughout the whole movie like that's really letting Rick be the person that worries that has to worry about acting and he's doing all all kinds of other stuff. He's driving him around because Rick can't drive. He's fixing an, an antenna on top of the house. Um, and then, you know, even up until the point of like when the hippies come to kill, to break into the house and kill them, he, he basically kills all of them. Um, Rick sets one on fire. That's already basically <laughs> dead, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Which is the absurdity of that fight is um, hilarious. I knew the moment he picked up that can of dog food that he was throwing that in someone's face. But I did not see. I didn't. Even though I knew the dog was in the room, I didn't see the dog attacking like out of nowhere or, you know, just the little. Yeah. Click, so click. good, wasn't it? It was oh, so good. So well done. I, did, I did think that was going to happen. I wasn't sure how much the acid trip was going to play. I in. love that. Yes. Like, yes. I, I was like, is that going to like Keep mess with? Yeah. Right, right. Like, that he's not at his best right now, you know? Like, he's not sure what's real, what's not real. Right, right. Um, shoot, what was I going to say? Oh, we were talking about their relationship. So, to me, the way that they played the power dynamic, because, you know, you have this idea oh, yeah. that, right, that Rick is the more powerful, right? Like, he is the one that makes the money. He's the one that gets the roles. And Cliff is completely dependent on him. Right. You know, when you see, like, where Cliff lives and mm -hmm. like, all, all of those little what pieces. What his life is like. Yeah, that I mean, he is so dependent mm -hmm. on Rick, yet there is a relationship that feels believable that has a sort of mutual respect and honesty in it. Yeah. Know? There's no ego like that. That is shocking to see. Cause I feel like that, that is something that our culture has sort of almost removed. Mm. Like it, it would be hard for, I think people to have that sort of working relationship today. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was something much more, People were obviously more loyal, but when you actually... That's so interesting. It, it's hard to think about, about that. No, yeah, it's hard to think right. about because part of me wants to go like, well, fuck, why, Rick, why wasn't he just like, why wasn't, why didn't he take care of Cliff to the point where he didn't live the way he lived? Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, but did, did Rick have that much money by the time we see them? No, in this? You know which I mean? you did. It, you do know that. Yeah, they do kind of tell you that. So, yeah, I guess that's part of it. Or he could have just lived with them. <laughs> like... Maybe I don't know. That was that weird. Dynamic, that was a weird but time I did, back then. But too, I did yeah. love like like this like the little subtle things like when he's dropping off DiCaprio and DiCaprio's FBI episode's gonna be on. He's yeah. like, "Well, did you think you were gonna come in?" He's like, "I got a six pack in the yeah. car." But <laughs> but you do love it because he has he had, you know Rick lets him keep his dog food for his dog right, at right. the house. You know what I mean? So it's like that. It's not a type of male relationship that you see in films frequently. Yeah, like right. if those were female characters, I don't think that would have seemed as odd, maybe. 
I don't know. Um, I think uh, again with the like the power divide, I think that really makes it more difficult, right? Yeah. In in like how you how you sell that because when you have somebody who, you know, has more power than the other part of the friendship, like that that doesn't often play out in a genuine way. Sam Wise and Frodo. Well, but that's a different kind of power, right? No. It Samwise is. worked for, for Samwise was Frodo's well, butler. Yes, or but Ga- they, whatever he was, like yeah, gardener. yeah. But they grew yeah, up true. as equals. They grew up as friends before that task was given to them. So I, I think I guess, that that's yeah. different. Yeah, I guess you're right. Right, like it's it's an it's an interesting relationship. Um, you know, as we look at it, if, I think the the rewatchability of this film is in the fact that there are so many long takes of different sequences that just alone, the scenes themselves are things that you could watch. You know, you could put this movie on for 10 minutes and see almost like a self-contained mini movie in itself. Uh, So why don't we go around? One of you start first. What is a scene or a sequence that really stood out for you as you were watching this. So I so I was just thinking about the scene on Spawn Ranch just because the, to me there was so much suspense in that scene of like how's this all going to play out, you know? Um you know, so Cliff ends up at the the Manson family compound and there's this really weird it's just a super weird dynamic, right? Where you're like you've got folks inhabiting one of the houses just like all sitting around watching tv and then there's people who are clearly tourists who are there for a horse ride and then there's just folks living in all of these set pieces right it's supposed to be a movie it was an old movie set and so it just looks like people are just like coming out of literally coming out of the woodwork you know and so cliff's like surrounded i mean it's it's mostly women but like if they wanted to there were like 25 of them in him. They could have um, ripped them apart. Totally. And, you know, you get the implication that there's drugs involved, that they're not all thinking with clear minds. Um, and so I just found that piece of the story so fascinating. And I thought the way that the suspense was built in that scene was really well done with you following Cliff to go check on Mr. Spawn. And then when freaking Spawn is in that bed <laughs> oh, I know. and he confirms the story, I, know. I was blown away. Yeah. I was like, what is happening? That was the part where I was like, this, so this must be departing from reality. But no, that is all legit stuff. I mean, this is a story where like the, the true story is crazier than fiction, right? right? Like if somebody made that up, People would not believe it. Yeah. If that was in a fictional movie, people would not believe it. But like that, it, that piece of the story is real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Her and name like, was it, really squeaky because of the it noise was. she made when he touched her. Like, yeah, what? I know. It's crazy. And then she went on to try to kill Gerald Ford. Squeaky yes. in this movie. <laughs> what did Dakota, Gerald Ford ever do? Was it Dakota Fanning? Is that who that was? That was Dakota yes, Fanning. It was Dakota yeah. Fanning. Um, it, it is. It's like a horror movie dropped into the like is eerie as you would see at the beginning of the movie i was like jim do i need to text brian like am i gonna be okay in this because i i didn't get i i don't i didn't remember that like the manson 
family was part of this storyline. Yeah. And so I wasn't sure how much that was going yeah. to be in I there. Didn't, you know, I it was interesting because it was not as much as people thought. Originally, when they were teasing that this is what he was doing, there was a feeling like this was going to be a Manson family movie. Yeah. And that's what people thought. And it's I mean, it's very much in the periphery yeah. of this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I think when that's Charles a great part. So that is supposed to be Char- Charles Manson shows up at the yeah. beginning, right? Yeah. Yes. yeah, that's where I got he was real in ner- it, he I was, was really in it nervous more. Yeah. He if the in the longer cut of it, there's some more sequences yeah. with him. I think they wisely uh, didn't overuse him. Yeah. I thought he yeah. was used probably just the right amount. Interestingly in this enough, they wanted Charlie Day to read for this. I thought you said he uh, was in it. They did for Manson to be Manson. Yeah. He uh, he apparently turned it down. He he didn't even read. He was like, I'm not going to get that part. But um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. So we had an interesting overlap um, watching. What's the other show that we're watching with the serial killers? Oh, Mindhunter. Yeah, he yeah. is the same guy. Yeah, the same guy plays him. Yeah. Oh, is it really? Yeah, it is. It's the same guy. He plays uh, it, both. And, but Tex. Tex is in Tex is in Mindhunter. Oh, is he? So okay. they go and interview him as well in okay. Mindhunter. It's okay. So I was like, oh my god, that's the guy. Um, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's super cool yeah there's a lot of obviously backstory to this movie that you can dig into um yeah, it's so true but i would say the the sequence for me is i think that end piece with leonardo dicaprio talking to emile hirsch mm. through the gate and the dialogue is there is like this like fairy tale ending right like so like when you talk about once upon a time in hollywood like this is quentin's fairy tale right and he <laughs> There to me that like it, it was making me smile like stupid like Katie yeah. smiling during Pretty Woman yeah yeah um, this this ending is more believable than <laughs> the ending of Pretty Woman but I, I believe Sharon Tate surviving the Manson yeah. murders is more likely than a prostitute if ending Richard up with Gere a billionaire. Had showed up in his limo yeah. in that moment, I would have been in. But I love there. <laughs> When he's he's asking, he's like, dude, what the fuck happened? Like, and Leonardo just starts talking about like, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, they tried to hit a bunch of hippies, tried to break into my house. I freaking I just love I love him in this movie. Yeah, I love his character. I love all his little mannerisms. Like, I can just I'm just like replaying that, like his body language in that scene, the way he kind of like sheepishly tells what yeah i had a flamethrower in the yard it turns out it yeah, works yeah, yeah, like yeah. i just i love it i love that bit of dialogue burnt one, of the, burnt one of those hippies right to a crisp but yeah. that's so what oh, when jim was get talking hurt? about oh yeah, hippies oh, yeah got hurt. Hippies got hurt. <laughs> when jim was talking about the playing through of those roles of the stuntman and the you know the fall guy um, that's and we, the same thing. We, we just love the stuntman i'm so sorry <laughs> What's, what do they the call what do they call the they, actor no, no, no. They had a name for him when he met with um, who is it? It's not Al Pacino. Oh, the heavy, Pacino? the heavy, the heavy. Thank that's you. just the bad guy. No, I know, but yeah. that's what I okay. was getting mixed up. Okay. Anyway, and Al Pacino um, was great, no matter what Keenan Laird yeah, on Pop Battle. Oh so, yeah, he was great. This awful. Take so I, so Jim was saying like you know the way it plays out at the end, right? With like the crazy shit that Cliff does to kill these people, right? Oh my God, With the dog and his hands and all, like all of it, right? Like those are like beautiful little pieces of action. And then that the, that the already basically dead hippie shows up in the pool. And the first thing that 
uh, Rick thinks of is like, I got that flamethrower in the garage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that's what comes to his mind. Not like, I wonder what's happening in the house, yeah. or is my wife okay, or like, <laughs> like what the hell's going on? I gotta go get that flamethrower. It's the only thing I know how to use. I've been trained on it. <laughs> what was the um, sequence you liked, Brian? Well, there are a bunch. I I loved Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, in well, this movie. So I, here's my favorite, uh, probably is the one that was in the trailer to the soul, of the movie. We have a little clip of yeah, it. Yeah. So Rick Dalton has had, uh, drank eight whiskey sours, just like the sequence where he was like, he, you saw how he would memorize his lines. Like he would do all the characters on tape and like pace himself. So the, then he's gone out and I love that he's doing the, he's going to be the villain in Lancer. Yeah. which is this pilot and he's and they put out like a, a hippie hair mustache really like that whole sequence is great but that lancer the two lancer brothers are luke perry in his final role who we love yeah but then timothy uh oliphant who i like justified he was the cowboy the modern cowboy and justified which is i think one of the best tv shows of the last decade um plays it so rick has like fumbled all these lines and he goes into the trailer and this is like one of the selling <laughs> yeah. points of this movie and it is just amazing so mm -hmm. here's a little clip of dicaprio and what he does is rick dalton fuck with that jesus christ fuck oh, shit damn it rick I swear to God. fucking lines embarrass yourself like that in front of all those goddamn people well you're drinking all night Fucking drinking again, eight goddamn fucking whiskey sours. <laughs> fucking bullshit. You're a fucking miserable drunk. Fucking remembering your fucking lines. I practiced them and now I don't look like I goddamn practiced them. That idea right there that he, he says right there, I think everybody can relate to. Whether because oh, because so everybody has been in a moment where you have to prepare for something, whether it's sports you know athletics you know a test whatever it may be a presentation and then the way you perform at it's least for awful. me i have been in the in 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 situations where i've performed so poorly that i'm that i have to think that the people think that i didn't give a shit at all about it and that <laughs> moment right there is so freaking great He's just so, I mean, I feel like I always say this. He is always so good in everything he does. And I often don't necessarily think about seeing the movies he's making. I'm not sitting there saying, when's the next Leonardo DiCaprio movie coming out? He is just so, so good in this movie. That whole sequence was him because he Quentin Tarantino actually didn't even want to do this. Originally he was just going to shoot Lancer. He wanted to shoot like a whole episode of Lancer and not have it um, interrupted. And DiCaprio said, no, no, no. If we're having this sequence where he's drinking all night and he's all screwed up and he's messed up, there's no way that he would go in there and be able to know these lines. Yeah. So this all became him saying, well, screw up the lines then. Yeah. And then he went into that trailer and they shot that in a day and he ad libbed all of it. And mm -hmm. that was just DiCaprio. And That's he was amazing. utterly amazing in it yeah uh one of the other things i wanted to talk about with him if you guys saw this or thought this was interesting is 
and Jim, I know I'd mentioned this, the sequence he had with the little girl actress and how good the little girl actress is. What did you feel about that dynamic? I thought it was a good, um, and, and we'll play a little clip from that as well. I love this idea of like, the old school actor kind of butting up against the new school where she at the age of what, what's she eight, nine or something. Mm -hmm. And, and she is already probably already studied more about the craft of acting than Rick. And he's kind of realizing that as he's sitting there next to her, um, it, it's a great sequence and she plays it incredibly well. And he is, obviously beyond awesome in it. And we'll play a little clip and then, then chat about it. it. It's okay, Caleb. It's okay. Sounds like a really sad book. Poor Easy Brazy. I'm practically crying and I haven't even read it. About 15 years you'll be living it. <laughs> Nothing, pumpkin puss. I'm just... Her face. I'm just teasing you. Mm -hmm. You know something? You, uh, you might be right about this book. I think it hits harder than I gave it credit for. I don't like names like Pumpkin Puss, <laughs> but since you're upset, we'll talk about that some other time. <laughs> <laughs> And then the, so the scene where she gives him the compliment, they use that in the trailer. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. And it's just amazing. Brilliant. But it's because you've seen these these little moments with the two of them, right? Yeah. Where, like, I, I, like you get that oh, he looks so at good. her as this, it's like, so incredible good. actress, he, he, right? Like, he respects her opinion. <laughs> yes, her right. opinion absolutely takes him down. Uh, and, and throughout <laughs> this movie, he's really looking for... It's not just that he's looking for validation, because he's look he is looking for... At least the way I saw it is that he's sort of looking to find like who could even give him validation. Like he doesn't even know. And to find who, it in this little girl yes. is, is just priceless. And then at the end, he's getting validation from us and from Quentin from the director. Right. But because they, they, <laughs> you know, they stopped this plot to murder people. Yeah. Um, and he kind of is rewarded with that, and it sort of goes unknown to him. Uh, I just thought it was—it's an interesting arc for him in this movie. I, I really enjoyed it. Well, but so, okay, but the way you worded that, Didn't, he gets—he gets validation from Sharon Tate at the end, right? Right, that's like true. That. So, like, right, right. He's they recognize waiting. him. He's yeah, been yeah, waiting, so, right? Yes, like, well, one of these yes. days, there's going to be a pool party, yeah, yeah and yeah. that'll be my next great break, right? Yeah. And instead, it's like I killed the. The guys that were gonna come and kill you, like he doesn't know that, but like fucking hippies. I killed them, and now we're so gonna go good. have a drink. To, I'm gonna go have okay. a drink with Sharon. Tate. I will say that him drinking the pitcher of margaritas while Amazing. screaming at them <laughs> is as good as the dude walking with oh, his man. with Milk. his with his uh, white Russian. Yeah, in a uh, row. In the row. Yeah, yeah. It's it's <laughs> brilliant. Oh my god. I do uh, have to say, I, in terms of relationships, I think that this romance outshines the dude and uh Lebowski not as not what is I it's think different. it's a healthier yeah. relationship. Yeah, yeah, it's the, the big Lebowski. No. Walter, Walter and the Walter. dude. Walter and the dude. Thank you. 
Um, Jeffrey, I just I we could we could talk for hours and hours about this movie. It's just that good. And the most amazing thing is that Andy McDowell's daughter is Pussycat. What? Oh, I can see that. Crazy. And she can act. Yes, she can. I will say the only thing that distracted me in this movie was, was her armpit hair? No, no, I didn't notice that, but it didn't distract me. that was me. on point. I mean, yeah. that's, that's yeah, it was on for point. the times. Yeah, it, was, it was absolutely on Is point. Quentin's thing with feet continues. Mm. Yeah. There are so many women in bare, with bare feet showing them off in this movie. And I've just come to accept that, like, he is basically putting that in everyone's face now, being like, well, if you want to make fun of me for... Showing women's feet, I'm gonna do it. See, I don't even. Yeah, I don't even ever think about it. It's just not an issue for Lots me. Lots of feet. It's not. No it's boobs. not an issue. But there was a ton. Lots yeah. of feet yeah. and no boobs. Yeah. I like yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, there were no boobs. That's fair. No boobs. There were no boobs in this. No this movie, inappropriate sexual relations. I, I mean, probably missed a thousand things the we could only talk about. This, inappropriate about this movie. sexual relationship you see, well, maybe, is Lena Dunham. And pussycat. Yes. Because it seems like Ugh. she's probably like 45 and supposed to be kind of like mom. Yeah. And then really also disturbing. sleeping with like yeah, the 18 yeah. year old girl. I don't yeah. know. She like can pass weird... for like 20s. There was just yeah. a weird dynamic yeah. there, right? Yeah. Of like, the, it was know. like a mother daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such, such a, such a good movie. And this will oh, be one of those great. ones I think about all week and be like, oh, we should have talked about this. We should have yep. talked yeah. about that. There's but so it, much to talk about. How, how good it is. And it's worth every second of rewatching this movie. You, yeah, you, you're not it, listening to us it. if you yeah no you're not listening if you, you, you have to watch it all right game of the week you got it first Jim time wins game of the week we first time first, first time <laughs> cancel it all right uh, here we go this week we're playing higher or lawyer, uh, lower all right so would we rank once upon a time in Hollywood higher or lower than some of these Quentin Tarantino movies I just picked a couple that I knew we had all seen yeah. Uh, you know, we can't go through all of them. Uh, so first of all, uh, how about Jackie Brown, which is not an original Quentin Tarantino story. Um, it was an Elmore Leonard book, Rum Punch, uh, which he turned into it. Would you rank Once Upon a Time in Hollywood higher or lower than and I'm not going to compete in this because I I will establish this is my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. Well, so I, I would put I, this ahead of I all think I'm of just going to go right there with you, Bri. So. We what we have in our list is Jackie Brown, Django Unchained, Inglorious Bastards, and Pulp Fiction. And Pulp Fiction. And I think the the only one I'm questioning that I feel like oh I need to rewatch is I loved Kill Bill, loved it. Okay. Oh really? Loved it. Okay. And so on Netflix but now, I, but it's I haven't on seen now. it in years, and so that's okay. the only one where I'm feeling like oh that still might win mm-hmm. for me. Okay. But I need to rewatch because I, I okay. I'm feeling like Claire. Costello in that because it's the most recent one that I've seen. No, it's got to be the best. Claire, it's got to be the best. Yeah. The, All right. The so only... Jim, what do you think? Okay, so we got Jackie Brown. Would you say Jackie Brown is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood higher or lower than Jackie Brown? It's higher than Jackie Brown. Okay, Django. This is the one where I'm. I need to revisit Django because yeah. I okay. think that's my favorite. But uh, uh, you'd have it higher than Inglorious Bastards. Yes. Higher than Pulp Fiction, which was your yeah, choice so. of best right now, Avengers so. movie of the year last year. Okay? I think so. This is yeah. big. This I, and there's some other. That is big. This big is movie. this is yeah. high uh, praise here. And obviously, we left a bunch off. If you're a huge Tarantino fan, but we, we don't have time to do all the films. Tom but... Majors love Once Upon a Time. Yeah. Yeah. I I watched this. Uh, I almost watched this like twice last week, back to back, because I just <laughs> Aileen hadn't we seen might, it. And she we wants might to go see start it. it again right now. Yeah, I I just I mean I love this movie. Um, my favorite. So that's good. All right. So 
if and when you watch Kill Bill again, it's on Netflix, Katie. Let us know what you think. And Jim, uh, revisit and let us know what you think about Django and mm-hmm. how you feel about that. All right. Now it is time for five questions. You want answers? You want answers? answers. I want the truth. What makes a man, Mr. Lebowski? What the <laughs> fuck is the internet? you know the answer to to that question the next uh, the next time we have a um commagers production um uh, session when we're at the commagers philly studio i'd like to add in dicaprio doing eight whiskey sours into our five (laughs) why do you gotta drink eight whiskey sours into Um, it i do have to tell you that our daughter asked we com com mentors the com majors are getting together next weekend. We yes. will be in Boston all together. This is this is an event. My daughter will also be there, and she asked, "Will um, will you and Daddy and Uncle Brian be making a podcast with your headphones on? Because every time <laughs> Uncle Brian comes to visit, I find the three of you in Daddy's office wearing headphones, which was one time. I was like, that was one time." And, he, um, and yes, we probably will. Yes, we probably will. <laughs> we probably definitely will. Uh, all right. Five questions. Uh, we're, this is a new part of 2020. Each month, each of us is picking a film. Mm-hmm. And uh, whoever picks the film will answer the five questions. Oh, part okay. of the many new exciting things that we're doing in Com Majors 2020. Mm-hmm. So I will answer five questions this week. Here we go. Okay. Thumbs up or thumbs down. It beats. Uh, fucking down, man. I, I'm I'm with I am with Rick Dalton. Quentin has a thing for hippies. Tell me you couldn't have seen me in uh, the role of Rick Dalton when he was out with that, those them. margaritas yeah. yelling mm-hmm. at hippies. That, that, that you had your me. baby, yeah. the baby sleeping. I could have. I could have been. It could have been movie. me. It could have been a flashback to college. Me and my Scooby Doo boxers. How about when Cliff... in the upper quad yelling at the hippies to go to bed? Would not have been a robe. How about so, the uh, known a robe? How about when Cliff fair. Cliff calls text uh, Dennis Hopper? Yeah. <laughs> So God, God, it's just we, I we know need to you. Do like, yeah, I, wait, we, I know all I think of we you. Could, I know your I little white face. Believe we could we could do like an episode on each you were major on a character in this film. <laughs> we could do a DiCaprio episode, a Brad Pitt episode, yeah. a Margot yep. Robbie. Oh my we could God, do we all... didn't even talk about his relationship with the dog. I, I like she Brandy. becomes a whole other I character. They played, uh, I loved her. It wasn't appropriate song, time was, period. I it wasn't appropriate. You're right. All right, uh, question two. Here we go. Who is your Cliff Booth? Me or oh, Jerry? Oh, this is an awkward question. It's just oh, it's Jim. Awkward. <laughs> Jerry is I don't more, know. would more be like uh, Rick Dalton's Italian wife. <laughs> he would be Cliff Booth. <laughs> Jerry would, uh, is not, does not have the physical prowess to be Cliff and, Booth. And even is he cool enough, Brandy. actually, to be Cliff Booth? I don't think. Jim is a little cool. I gotta work on my arm, though. I gotta throw a can of dog food. I thought it was going to go more um, Big Lebowski. That, Jer- that Jerry would be... Donnie? <laughs> we're going to cremate him in the coffee Jerry can? Jerry could be Brandy the dog, maybe. Yeah. Aw, Jerry. Well, Brandy's my favorite character, so... All right. <laughs> Fill in the blank. Blank is my favorite song in a Quentin Tarantino movie. That is a very good uh, question. Do we have the clip? I have a clip. If we Can do. You play the clip? Brian, I, Brian this, this sent is my me the favorite. clip. Wow. This is my favorite Look song in a Tarantino movie. Here we go. 
I want to tell you a story. Is this the one at the ranch? Every man ought to know. No, this is the one at the, like, very beginning, like, kind of the beginning of the movie that sets it up. And, and uh, DiCaprio and Brad Pitt are driving, and it's living the setting, and we're seeing Margot Robbie for the first time. I'll squeeze a real jump. Yeah. There it is. It's a great movie. great song. It's funny because, you know, there's, he does so much good movie. Uh, Girl, You'll Be a Woman Soon, I, which mm. I can't remember who sings that bear, from Pulp bear, Fiction. Bear. Urge Overkill. Yeah, Ooh. it's definitely one. But you know what it was? What struck me is on the rewatch of this, mm-hmm. when this starts playing, like, and I think you guys will see it too when you watch it the second time, you'll be like, oh, I'm back in this movie now. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It just like... It sets the, it know, sets it everything up. Right. It, it and uh and there's a lot of i have this soundtrack i got it on itunes um and i've been listening to it at night it's just there's some his choice of music uh, the other one i love by the way is um jose feliciano's california dreaming mm-hmm. yeah um which is what is played when brad pitt is leaving yeah. rick's house and driving to his trailer and it's like an acoustic, like, folky version yeah, of California. But that German, to yeah. me is like this brilliant idea. I and mean, instead of doing like the happy poppy mama and the papa's version, because it's with Cliff, like the way he uses music for each character uh, and the music choices he does with Paul Revere and the uh, Raiders and stuff with Sharon Tate, like that's kind of her mm-hmm. vibe. The, the music choices in this film for a guy who's noted for using music yeah. is really interesting to mm-hmm. me. All right. Question number four. Uh, our favorite question. What is your favorite DiCaprio movie? Uh, it's this. Is it? This is like s- quickly becoming the more I watch it, like an all time, like top 10 movie. All right. For me. Good. And, and I love him in lots of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I, I was thinking about it. This might be the character of his I like the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, but he's just, I mean, he's amazing. Yeah. He really is. All right. Deep thoughts. What other historical event would you like to see Tarantino rewrite? I was thinking of some. And then, you know, pre the musical Hamilton. Yeah, uh, I loved Alexander Hamilton. In fact, I thought of a musical idea for Hamilton that I told Jim about, and uh, he told me I was an idiot for thinking of it. Uh, I this is before Lin Manuel, like more deeply and seriously, but um, this I well think it would be nine eleven because I would love to see uh, a clip if. DiCaprio or if it was DiCaprio in it or Tarantino doing the movie and instead of those planes crashing into the building them flying into the sunset or something like that and I would love to see a massively violent sequence with Osama bin Laden getting his head bashed in by a can of dog food or those uh, (laughs) other types of things did you guys have one that you thought of that jumped to your mind that that you'd like to see that was exactly the one that I was thinking of. Yeah, because I was to me both of so Inglorious Bastards and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, though radically different in the number of people. Yeah, the horror of the events. Right, right. Like to me, you need something that's that horrible to get your audience to be so in for the violent retribution to right, the perpetrators. Right. right? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I agree. I with didn't you. really think about it. Um, Stephen King has tackled this question with uh, oh, did he? What did with eleven twenty three sixty? Oh yeah, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean that um, that's one too. I mean that, but I I was thinking one more contemporary of our lifetime. Like yeah. right, right, right. To me, that I, I wonder though everything. Maybe I it's wonder too big the, for him to do that. I don't I, know. Like, I wonder if time plays a huge part in this. Right, because, we need more time. You mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel it's too soon. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I yeah I, I I just think that would be an interesting one. Lincoln. Of course, s- save Alexander Hamilton. Save Lincoln. That's the key. Save Hamilton. Save, save Hamilton first. Save the cheerleader. Save the world. Save this. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> I haven't thought about that one in a long time. Uh, okay. Uh, it's time to introduce. Well, we, we if you follow us on social media, we are now putting out a a monthly calendar to let you know what to watch. Ooh. Um, and some people have responded to that. But next week no, is haven't. a gym choice. It is. And with the uh, the heaviness of the other two choices, I thought I should squeeze a comedy in between. Uh, so we're going with a very highly respected comedy from the past year, Booksmart. Yes. Uh, which I have really wanted to see. I don't think any of us have I was seen really it yet, ex- right? Yeah, I, No, I was really excited because I had, <laughs> I'd heard about that. I want to see that. Yep. So, that was so a that's great what choice. we're going with, Booksmart. Can't all wait. Right, perfect. Uh, and excited. I think we're going to record this scene. all together. Yeah, We will be all together. We're going to be as, together. I don't know if we've mentioned on the show before, but Katie and Jim are going to be Kieran's godparents. Yay! It's so exciting. God bless him. Yay, yay, yay. Uh, oh, so we'll be all great. be together uh, and we'll talk book smart next week. Uh, do all those things that we never go on social media and get people to do. We never get people to like, share, subscribe. Yeah. And, we yeah. don't really chase after that because, well, whatever. Um, right, Brian, I, I will prepare you. Katie has already said that she's pretty much going to spend the entire time at your house smelling your baby's head. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, I will make sure to wash his hair every day. Oh, you don't even have Leading to. up to your arrival. It just naturally <laughs> smells so good. <laughs> baby head. The, baby head uh okay that's great uh please go watch once upon a time on hollywood i'm actually going to go upstairs and for the next two hours where i'm watching kieran until i go to sleep i'm going to watch it immediately i'm going to watch it again i need i need to watch more rick dalton i need to see it i'm going to have what do you think have the rest of this whiskey sour yes and then uh, then then seven more Is uh, Brian going to have a little Rick Dalton accent by the time we see? I him wish he had a pool Friday, so he could Saturday. be outside in the float with headphones on. Oh my god, on. Like, he would love that. I used to sing in the Red Bear. I did like to float around in the pool in the you outer banks drinking. Float. That is uh, true. I will give if you, if you watch this movie and you feel like Brian and you want to watch it again, uh, but you can't. You can only listen to podcasts. Listen to Quentin Tarantino's feature presentation with Amy Nicholson. It's three episodes. It's fantastic. He talks a lot about this movie. The Red Baron, Ooh. which he's li- which Rick Dalton is listening to in the pool, was his favorite song when he was a kid. All right, That's great. perfect. Also, That's great. our friends at Pop Addle did an episode on this movie. You could listen to one of their movie specials. And Jim and I will be appearing on this week's Pop Addled episode. Uh, basically about Tim, Jim, and I telling Keenan why he's wrong, worthless, yeah, and we're all wrong about most of his film choices. Yep. All right. All right. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.